uh, we are in a series called Struggles, and uh, this week is week three of this series. Pastor Bubba, I heard, kicked it off in week one, which, by the way, is my pastor and all of our pastor. He's the senior pastor of all of this, and uh, he, he kicked it off with gossip, I heard, in week one. And uh, I heard it through the grapevine. I think somebody gossiped to tell me that he preached on gossip. And uh, then last week, Pastor Jamie talked on comparison. And uh, how many of that was hard hitting for you, maybe? Talking about comparison and comparing your lives to other people. And uh, that can be a bit, a bit uh, of a struggle that we all face. Today, uh, I have the honor of preaching what I think is probably one of the hardest struggles, I think, that... I know that I personally deal with, and probably if we're all honest in here, we all kind of deal with in some regards, and that is unforgiveness. And uh, I think it's a struggle we all, we all walk through in life. And so um, how many of you, real quick, by, by a show of hands, have, a, uh, have family traditions when it comes to the holidays? Like you have like, family traditions that you and your wife or your grandparents or whatever have like when it comes to you know, Easter, you always go over to grandma's house, or Christmas, you always go you know, wherever that is. Um, you know, we had traditions growing up uh, around Christmas uh, that went with my great grandmother. My great grandmother lived in Alice, Texas. I don't know if anybody knows where Alice, Texas is. It's near Corpus Christi. Y'all know where Corpus Christi is? Okay. Um, down, down south. And, uh, and my great grandma lived her, there. Her name was Honey. Come on, how many know that is the most awesome great grandmother name ever? Honey. Her name was Honey, and that was the nickname that everybody gave her, and so she, she was called Honey. And so we would pack up all the aunts, the uncles, the grandkids, great-grandkids, and we would haul down to Alice, Texas, throw all our gifts and everything into this station wagon. Come on, how do you remember the days of the station wagon? I remember the days of the station wagon where the seat in the back faced the back. Come on, how many remember those days? All right, everybody else, y'all don't know. The young generation, y'all have no clue. Um, that was really awkward at a red light. And you're just waving at people. No seatbelts. Y'all remember those days? Anyway, no car seats. We were crazy. Yeah, the harm. Mama was the car seat. She was like, stop. And so, uh, anyways, I'm, I'm totally getting off track here. So, we would have these big family gatherings at Honey's house, and we would have 20, 30 people all up in her house. And, uh, and she had a tiny house, but everybody somehow crammed into this house. And how many know when you get together with all these many people, one of the things that you do all the time and you do it really well is eat. Come on, how many know you don't go to a family? I mean, food is the centerpiece of everything that you do at a family function. And we would host these big family events and we would have these big dinners. And so everybody, of course, you got 30 people. So everybody had a part to play when it came to the dinner. Everybody, you know, did their part. Somebody cooked the ham. Somebody fried the turkey. Somebody, you know, did the cornbread dressing. Somebody did the yams and somebody made the tea and the bread and and all that stuff. And so um, 1988 is the Christmas that our family will never forget. It, this this fan, this Christmas was just like all the other ones. We had our dinner spread. Everybody's you know sitting at their different tables because how many know you can't fit thirty people at one table? So you got all the different tables. How many know the day that you moved from the kiddie table to the adult table was a big day? That was like how many know that that was like that was special. That was a special Christmas. You like upgraded. No more kitty bowl. No more kitty cup. That was the big day. So 1988, we're having this big dinner, and uh, everybody's eating. It's going great. Everything seems to be going really well, and uh, it's just great. It's awesome. And so Honey goes, hey, how y'all like that cornbread? And everybody's like, mm, it's, it's good. It's, it's good cornbread. You, you did a great job. She said, listen, I, 
I got something really special in the cornbread. Okay, what's what's special in the cornbread? She said, this cornmeal was from when Papa died. Okay, now Papa died 11 years before this Christmas. She had taken this cornbread and put it in the freezer. And for some reason, 11 years later, thought this was the Christmas she was busting it out on. As she de- declares that this is the cornmeal from when Papa died 11 years ago, everybody's vomiting in their mouth now because here we are eating cornmeal that is 11 years old. I don't even want to know what the expiration date was on that. And so uh, the reason I bring that up, though, is because just like Honey with her cornmeal holding on to something for way too long, I think oftentimes we do the same thing when it comes to unforgiveness. We hold on to something for so long and then at some point we pull it out. And not only does it have the, uh, the ingredients to kill us, it could kill everybody else too. And this was the situation that we had. Let me just say, honey never cooked from that point on. She was never, it was the running joke. Nobody eat after honey. And so she had this cornmeal for 11 years and I think the same is with us. Oftentimes we hold on to things for way too long. Instead of letting it go when it needs to go, we hold on to it and have the tendency and the ability to harm ourselves and harm other people. I want you to turn in your Bibles with me. Um, if you got some notes, if you got some notes, wave it at me just so I can see it. All right. Okay. Awesome. All right. I'm what you call a holler back preacher, by the way. And so I preach better and I preach faster when you holler back at me. All right. And so you can do whatever you want. You can say, preach it. You can say, let's go white boy. You can go. That's good stuff. I don't care what it is, but you're not at the movies. This isn't a spectatorship. I want you to preach with me. Okay. All right. So let's, let's just try it. Say, preach it. Ready? One, two, three. Okay, good. All right. So listen, when it gets good, just let me know. Feedback on me. You could just straight up stand up and just like, "Mm -hmm, I don't care, whatever. You can be like, that's for me or that's for him. I don't know. However you want to do that. Matthew chapter six. Follow with me in this. This is a very familiar passage. Most of us, most of us know John 3.16. I think next to John 3.16, this is probably one of the most familiar passages. This is the, the Lord's Prayer. Most of us all know the Lord's Prayer, no matter what background you've come from, whether Catholic or Baptist or whatever. Most of us all know the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven. We all know that. Well, I want to read this, and I want us to, to kind of zone in on a specific part of this verse that I think we often don't. Uh, realize what we're actually praying. This is in uh, a different translation, NLT translations, and this is what it says. Watch, follow along with me. It says, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. Not from 11 years ago, by the way. So <laughs> give us the food that we need. And now watch this. And this is the part I want us to see. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sinned against us. Did you catch what you just said? Let's rewind here, okay? Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who've sinned against us. Did we really just pray, God, forgive me at the same level I forgive other people? Yes, you did. God, I want you to forgive me just as much as I've forgiven my ex. Really? Really? God, I want you to forgive me just like that person who hurt me. Really? Let me ask you this. Do you want God to forgive you 
at the same rate that you've forgiven that person? Because that's what we're praying here. Father, forgive me as we have forgiven those who've sinned against us. I think oftentimes as Christians, we pray, God, forgive me, forgive me. But we don't realize how stingy we are with our forgiveness towards other people. We come into this place and go, God, you've got to forgive me. You're God. But yet when it comes to when other people hurt us, we want to hold on to that. We don't want to give it freely. And God is saying in the Lord's prayer, when Jesus modeled how we are to pray, he says, this is how you pray. Father, uh, forgive us our sins as we, meaning that Jesus is making it conditional, thinking, of course, if you're forgiven, you're going to definitely forgive people. And so he says, as we have been forgiven, those who, as we've forgiven those who've sinned against us. You know, I love the Bible because it addresses real issues. And I think a great church is not a church that doesn't have issues, by the way. I think a great church is a church that addresses issues and speaks to them and helps people get healed of those issues. That is a great church, by the way. A great church is not when everybody comes in and everybody's got it going on. A great church is when everybody comes in and nobody's got it going on, but Jesus has got it going on, and Jesus helps us to get healed. And in this, the Bible speaks very practically to things and issues and struggles that we all face, and unforgiveness and bitterness is really one of those that we really do have in our lives. I think oftentimes we come and uh, we get offended by people. How many know when you hang out with family long enough, they're going to hurt you? Anybody been married? (laughs) How about you got kids? All right. Life is going to happen. Uh, Offenses are going to happen. You're going to get hurt. The question that we've got to ask ourselves, though, is how do we handle hurts? How do we handle when we've been hurt? Because anytime you're close with people, no matter if it's here in church family or whether it's your own natural family or coworkers or anything, there's going to be a tendency that at some point you're going to get hurt by people. It's going to happen. And it's easy. How many know it's easy to get along with God? It's a whole other thing to get along with people. Come on, pastoring would be real easy if it was just me and Jesus. <laughs> it's the people part that makes it difficult. But it's also the part when God says in the two commandments that God gave us is to love God Does anybody know? With all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And does he stop there? No, he doesn't. What does he do? And love, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so even Jesus says, listen, loving God's great. But really the true test of how much you love God is how much do you love people? And if you love people, then it's proven by how much you love God. And so I want us to look at a verse. Hebrews chapter 12. Look, Look with this with me. Hebrews twelve fifteen says this, look after each other so that no one of you fails to receive the grace of God. What's those next two words? What is it? Watch out. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up. Now watch this. Watch out. Underline that word. Watch out. Listen, anybody, anytime, anytime somebody says, watch out, how many know you should... Watch out. Watch out. Yeah, I just got you to watch out. All right. Anytime you're going to immediately react, jump back, something. Watch out, there's a snake. You don't just like, oh, okay. You know, you don't do that. Anytime somebody says, watch out, immediately you're going to perk up and look at whatever's going on. And here is God telling you, watch out. 
Now, here's the thing that he's telling us to watch out for. There is a poisonous thing that is about to kill you. You know what it is? Bitterness. Look what it says. That no poisonous root of bitterness. Now, watch what happens with this bitterness. It what? What's those next two words? It what? It what? It grows up. It grows up, meaning that it doesn't start big. It starts real small. And then it grows and grows and grows and grows. Now watch what happens. It grows up to trouble who? Who? You. Bitterness grows and grows and grows on the inside of us. And it doesn't trouble the person we're bitter at. It troubles us. Corrupting many. Bitterness is a lot like cancer. I just found out last week a really dear friend of ours just uh, found out they have prostate cancer and uh and i mean it just devastated our family we're walking through some of that right now but how many know the thing about cancer is cancer never ends where it starts and the bitterness is exactly the same way it never stays where it starts wherever bitterness starts it doesn't stay there it grows people are like oh it's not a big deal maybe it's not a big deal now but guess what it grows and when it grows, it spreads. And just like cancer, when it spreads, it doesn't just affect that one area. It begins to affect every area. It begins to affect every organ. The same thing with bitterness in our lives. When we don't deal with the bitterness in our lives, it not only just affects whatever that situation relationship is, it begins to affect our marriage. It begins to affect our finances. It begins to affect our parenting. It begins to affect everything that goes on. You've ever met a bitter person? Maybe you know a couple. And they think it's not of a big deal, but it is a big, it may not be a big deal now, but it grows to become even a bigger deal. And, and God is saying here, watch out, watch out for this. This is a huge issue. I want you to write this down. You should have a, a couple little blanks at the bottom. I want you to just write this down. Unforgiveness. Here's what unforgiveness is, is when your spirit gets stuck in a state of pain. Unforgiveness is when your spirit gets stuck in a state of pain. I can't believe what they said about me. I can't believe my mom and dad did that to me. I can't believe he overlooked this. I can't believe. And we, we get stuck in whatever pain this is that people do. You know, I, uh, I, I, I love, I have three boys, by the way, if you don't know, uh, my wife is a gorgeous wife. We celebrated 13 years this week and, uh, yeah. So guys, guys ask me all the time, man, how did you, how do you, how do you get a wife like the one you have? I said, just love Jesus. Just love Jesus and God somehow blinds beautiful women to date you. And so, listen, it just works. I'm just telling you, man. Okay. And then the other thing is working OSC kids because there's a lot of hot single women usually in OSC kids working with kids. And so um, I'm just, hey, listen, I'm just trying to give you some tips, trying to give you some tips. And so. Uh, anyways, we're celebrating 13 years. I have three boys and, and of course with my three boys, uh, if, if any of you in here have boys, it's, it's just not a quiet home. My wife homeschools as well, all of our boys. Um, and so it's just craziness in our house. Um, it's never a low volume in our home. It's always crazy. And my boys, one of the things my boys love to do is they love to wrestle. Um, Judah, my middle son just got boxing gloves for his birthday. He's the only one that has boxing gloves. I said, bro, you, there's two other brothers. What are they punching you with? He's like, I don't care. <laughs> so, so I don't know. They must just be going straight fist. And so uh, there's a lot of wrestling. There's a lot of punching. There's a lot of, a lot of just aggression that gets out in our house. And, and of course, my wife is a, she, she was an only child. 
So she grew up with no siblings. And so we have three boys. And so she was like, did, and I have three, uh, there's three in my family. She was like, did y'all always fight? And talking about me and my brother. I said, all the time. Because she never fought with anybody except herself. And so uh, she's always wondering what's going on. And so she don't wrestle. Uh, and so she puts her foot down. She's like, I ain't wrestling. They're trying to tackle her. It's like, no, she's the queen. You don't touch the queen. Leave the queen alone. The queen can kick you, but you can't kick the queen. And so when I get home, of course, when dad gets home, it's on. It's game time. Okay, so as soon as dad walks in, I, I got to watch because my boys are about this height right here. So I got to be careful. And we do wrestling. We wrestle all the time. And one of the things that I love to do, my dad did it to me all the time, is you get on top of them and you sit on them and where their legs aren't going and you grab their hands. Any dads in here? You grab their hands and you punch themselves with their own hands. Any of y'all do that? Come on. How many, how, many, how many tormenting dads are in the place? All right. And this is what you say. This is what you say. Stop punching yourself. Stop punching yourself. Stop punching yourself. Stop. Y'all know what? Don't leave me up here. I'm not the only one who does this. Okay. All right. We all do this, right? Okay. And so uh, I just, I'm just getting repentance out, by the way. I'm just getting all the stuff that I shouldn't be doing out. Stop punching yourself. Stop punching yourself. You know, uh, I bring that up because bitterness and unforgiveness is you punching yourself. And today, listen to me. Today, God is wanting you to hear, stop punching yourself. Stop punching yourself. Stop punching yourself. We take this bitterness and unforgiveness and we don't want to deal with it. And we're just punching. I can't believe she did this. I can't believe he did that. I can't believe this happened to me. I can't believe. And we're punching ourselves, only hurting ourselves. And today, God wants us to help in that area and get get rid of some of this stuff. So. Here's the question we've got to ask. And our last time, uh, a bit of time that we have together, I want us to get really practical here. I, I don't think any sermon that you hear on a Sunday, if it doesn't help change the way you live on Monday, was worth listening to. So if what we do here on Sunday doesn't impact the way I live on Monday, let's just close the doors. So I, I love messages that are not only powerful, but practical and can help you deal with this thing head on. So I'm going, to, I'm going to give you some tools for your toolbox. Here's the first one. I want you to write this down. You got, you got your notes. How do I forgive people who have hurt me? How do I forgive people? Here's number one. When possible, overlook the offense. When possible, overlook the offense. Proverbs 19 verse 11 says, A man's wisdom gives him patience. Now watch this. It is his glory. Underline those two words. It is his glory to overlook an offense. Now, growing up, I played sports all growing up, absolutely loved playing sports. And uh, one of the sports I was really, really good at was baseball. I loved baseball, played it from a childhood all the way into uh, high school. And, uh, and so I am now training my boys how to play baseball. They don't really care for it, to be honest with you. I think they just like hitting things with bats. And so uh, the other day, we're, we're, we're doing like little pitching practice in our backyard. And we're throwing, I'm just throwing the ball and, you know, keep, the eye, keep your eye on the ball, all the little tips that dads try to just say just to try to help and and uh and so there the, the thing though that got me so frustrated was no matter if the ball was right here or three feet in the air they were swinging i mean that, i i could have just thrown a ball any i could have thrown the ball over there and they were still swinging they just swinging for everything I'm like stop it you're frustrating me and so and so i mean if it was rolling on the ground they're golfing on it and Everything. 
And so I'm teaching them, hey guys, listen, there's some things called a strike and there's some things called a ball. And on the balls, you don't swing. You just let that go by. Let it go by. Okay. So this verse right here says, it is his glory to overlook an offense. Meaning that when somebody offends you, it is to your glory to let it go by. Don't swing at it. But oftentimes we look like the fool as somebody does something. And oftentimes it's the smallest things, isn't it? I mean, you go into the, you know, McDonald's drive through. I'd like a Big Mac and, you know, I'd like some extra ketchup and a large fry. And you go in, you pull in, they give you your Big Mac and your large fry and you're pulling off. And you're like, where's the ketchup? Like, seriously? I mean, like, dad, it's just ketchup. I mean, we can just turn around. It's not a big deal. And you just kind of, you just kind of go off, go off on somebody. You're like, what's the deal? Oftentimes there's some, there's a root of something that's going on. That's a lot deeper in the heart than the ketchup. The ketchup wasn't the issue. Y'all with me here? And so this verse says, overlook an offense. Listen, that, that little McDonald's lady didn't mean not to put ketchup in your bag. She's like, ha, 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 no ketchup for you. <laughs> like, seriously? Like, she didn't, she didn't mean to do that. But yet we, we take it like people like, you know, they cut us off. You're like, what in the world? You're number one, you know? With your Our Savior's Church sticker on the back. That's why I don't put our stickers on my car. I'm just telling you right, right now, I don't do that. Uh but I, 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 you, you need to learn to let things go by. Babe, the food's not ready. Seriously? Like, she's cooking for you. She's been working all day in the house. Like, she didn't. Y'all with me here? My boss didn't appreciate me. Really? Let that, let it go by. Everybody say that. Let it, let it go by. So there's some things that we just need to let it go by. And it is to your glory that you would do that. But then let me go on the other side, though. There's some things you can't let go by. Luke actually, Luke 17 says that if your brother sins against you, you should go to him. You should go to him first. Now, most of us, we, we actually don't even do it that way. We go to our girlfriends or we go to everybody else. We don't go to the person that offends us. But there's some things that, that aren't small. They are a big deal. And that you need to go to that person and... And say, hey, listen, that hurt me. Hey, what you did there, that, that stung. Or what you said there, I don't think, you probably didn't mean that. I know you probably didn't mean that, but you did this. And, and we need to be able to be gracious enough and truthful and honest enough with each other that we share those things. Because here's the deal. When you don't go to them, what ends up happening is you get a root of bitterness. That's how it begins. It's a little, he didn't say hi to me. I had somebody tell me the other day, hey, you know, on the past two Sundays, like you've walked past me and didn't say hi to me. And I'm like, I, I, and I, you know what I did? I apologized. I said, thanks for telling me that. I'm going to make sure that every time I see you from now on, I'm going to hug you. <laughs> and I'll be like, here he is. But they, they were honest enough and it, it hurt them. I, was I doing it on purpose? No. No, who knows what was going on, but I'm glad they told me. 
And so, but what, but what could have happened in that moment is that guy could have gotten extremely bitter. Pastor Josh don't like me. Is he too good for me? Is he, this is how it starts. I'm telling you, this is how it starts. And then from there, it's something else. And then it grows and it grows and it grows. It's a root of bitterness and it's poisonous if we don't deal with it. And so there are some things that we need to go and confront face to face. And, and let, me, let me even say this, and, and this kind of goes in the same stream of things. Forgiveness is not trust. Okay, so you, you may have been hurt by, by, by somebody and God has commanded you to forgive them. Listen to me on this. God commands you to forgive. He does not command you to trust. There is no command to say, Thou shalt have to trust. Now, there is a command that you have to forgive, though. And oftentimes when we've been hurt by somebody, and listen, I do a lot of counseling in Jennings with people who have had affairs, people who have, who have really hurt their spouse in some ways, uh, with just a lot of stuff that's gone on that are big things. And the truth is, yes, they do have to forgive. But it doesn't mean they have to trust that spouse. Forgiveness is quick. You can do forgiveness quick, man. Listen, I forgive you. But trust takes time. And oftentimes people who've done the hurting think, well, because you, you forgive me, you have to trust me. No, they don't. I'll share my story and just a little bit of some stuff that I've gone on in my own personal life uh, with a family member of mine. Um, but forgiveness and trust are not the same thing. But you are commanded to forgive. And that's the issue we're dealing with today. Trust may take time. And listen, if you've hurt somebody and you want to regain their trust, let me tell you how you regain their trust. You first off, admit it. You own it. You own what you did. Own that. Own it that you made the mistake. You repent of it. And then you know what? You begin to start doing actions and doing things to show your true repentant heart. And if you do that over the course of time, God will bring healing. God will begin to restore trust. God will begin to do those things. But if you want to blame it off on somebody else, you're not going to get trust. Y'all with me here? Okay. All right. Here's, here's number two. Uh, let, let me say this. This is kind of like the, uh, we're going, we're going through grade school of, of forgiveness here. So, uh, when possible, overlook an offense. That's, that's, that's preschool. Okay. Let's, let's upgrade here. Let's go to elementary school. Y'all ready to go to elementary school? You ready? You ready to graduate? Here's your second one. Pray for them like Jesus prays for you. Say what? Yeah. Pray for them. Now, now, now here's the deal. If we just celebrated Easter, by the way, 908 people came to one of our three campuses on Easter. Isn't that awesome? Man, so awesome. So many salvations, excited for what God's doing in Easter. Easter, though, oftentimes, we have, a, we have a misconstrued picture of the crucifixion, honestly, though. Oftentimes, when we think of crucifixion, we think of the three crosses, which is all true. But oftentimes, we think of Jesus hanging on a cross 10, 11 feet high. Everybody's looking up at Jesus, hurling insults at Jesus. If you're the king of kings, get yourself down. We think that that's how they crucified it. That's actually not true. Did you know that the crosses were not 10 feet high? They were actually only a step high, maybe six inches off the ground. Did you know that? And so when, when, when the Romans and the Jewish leaders were hurling insults at Jesus, you know what they were, were they, where they were looking? Straight in his face. They were spitting at him in his face. They were saying these things in his face. Think about this, the creator of the universe dying on a cross for the creation that is putting him on the cross. And they're hurling these things at Jesus. Now watch this. Let's go to Luke 23. 
Look, what Je- look how Jesus prays. And when they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Now watch this. And Jesus said, Father, come on, say it out loud. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. How many know that was the most grace-filled prayer ever? Come on, I was on the cross. I'd be like, take them out, all of them. I'm done with this. Jesus says, listen, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Let me tell you this. No one's been hurt more than Jesus. And I know that saying that, knowing that you've been hurt. And many of you have been hurt badly. But no one has been hurt more than Jesus. And yet he forgives. Now look at this. Luke 6, 28. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Say what? Pray for those who what? Who hurt you. Oh, I'll pray for them. All right. Pray they get hemorrhoids. I'll pray. Pray their tire gets blown out. I'll pray. Yeah, I'll pray. I'll pray for them. Right? No, he says, listen, you bless them and you pray for them. Come on. How many know this is, this is, we're getting a little harder here. Pray for those people who hurt you. Really? Are you serious? Yes, I want you to pray for them. Look at this next verse. Matthew 5, 43. You have heard the law say, love your neighbors and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, listen to me. This would have been, there would have been a gasp in the room when this was said. You have to realize who he's speaking to. I mean, all of the oxygen in the room would have been like... (laughs) Say what? Yeah, I want you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. There were two different crowds that were in this audience when Jesus gave this verse. There was the Romans, and then there was the Jewish people, the Jewish leaders. Now, the Romans, understand this. The Romans worshipped a god, and you know what that god was? It was the god of vengeance. (laughs) And he just told them, hey, listen, love those who hate you and pray for those who persecute you. And they're like, our god doesn't say that. And then the Jewish leaders over here on this side would have heard all throughout their upbringing in the Old Testament, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And here Jesus is saying, "Uh -uh. you have heard an eye for an eye. You have heard pray to the God of vengeance. But I say, (laughs) I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Come on, how many of you know that Jesus, when he calls us to himself, he calls us to a greater standard? Come on, how many of you know it's easy to love people who love you? You love me, I love you. You don't like me, I don't like you. Right? I mean, let's be honest here. I mean, you don't go into Walmart and find all the people that hate you and you're like, hey, what's going on? What do you do? You go around the aisle. Right? Okay. And so God is saying here that we pray for those who hurt us. Did someone hurt you? Pray for them. Did your dad abandon you? Pray for him. Did somebody in your family hurt you in some way? Pray for him. You walking through pain right now? Are you praying for him? Let me, let me, let me tell you why. I think God tells us to pray for them. 
God tells us to pray for them not so that they would change. He tells us to pray for them so that we would change. Because you can't hold on to a grudge and pray for somebody at the same time. You can't. You can't. I mean, unless you're praying like a hemorrhoid prayer, then you probably could, you know. But if you're praying a blessing prayer, God, bless, bless them. Bless them. And just over time and over the days and over weeks and over months, you're going to notice that your heart begins to change. They may never change, but yours does. And that's what God's more concerned about, is that your heart would change, that this poisonous root would get uprooted in your own heart. So we pray for them. All right, let's go on. Let's move up to junior high, okay? We've done preschool. We've done elementary. Let's get up to junior high here. Here's number three. Let God handle them. Let God handle them. Romans 12, I love it in the message version. It says this. It says, don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. Now watch what God says. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Okay, let's be honest here. What is the gut reaction when someone hurts you? What's your gut reaction? Come on, what is it? Say it out loud. Hurt them back, right? Hurt them back. So... Uh, last week, I was at a conference for four days. My wife was uh, taking care of all three of my boys. And so I had been gone from Monday through Thursday night. Friday morning, I woke up. We have, we have our men's Bible study Friday morning. I was gone all day Friday. So Friday, about 4.30, I get a call, and it's my wife. And so I'm like, hey, baby, what's going on? When are you getting home? <laughs> well, what's going on? I'm going to kill three boys right now. I mean, they, they, they have death warrants on their life, right? They're about to die. And I'm like, well, I got to work extra. I'm going to be, no. So I was like, what's going on? And so she, she was like, you just, I'll tell you when you get home. And so, of course, I'm like, well, I'm wrapping up. Guys, I'll be gone. I don't know if I'll see you when I come back, but I'll be, I'll be going home. So I, I go home and, and uh, you know, all my boys, hey, dad, you know, they're like, they're all nice when dad gets home, right? Hey, Dad, what's going on? So we, uh, we, we go to start eating dinner. We're eating dinner. And I'm like, hey, boys, how was your day? Oh, it was great. It was, it was awesome. We were in there sharing. We were playing this and playing that. And I was like, hey, Mom called me today. And it was like, oh. You could just see my oldest, who's 11, just like his face went, oh. Like, like the busted look. And I'm like, so how was your day? And then all of a sudden, Joel, Dad, listen, okay, so this is what happened. So he starts crying. <laughs> See, I wanted the Lego, and he wouldn't give me the Lego. And so I'm like, so what did you do? I bit him. I bit him. <laughs> Speaking of Judah, my eight-year-old. And now Judah starts crying. Listen, it wasn't fair. I told him I didn't want to get it. And so what did you do? I pushed him. <laughs> okay, all right. Now I'm like, Josiah, what's, what's your deal? And he's like, I told them not to. He's like my little Pharisee guy. He's over here telling all the rules, what you should and shouldn't do. And so we begin to have this 30 to 45 minute conversation of why they do these things. And why, why do you bite? Like you've never seen dad like, mom didn't do this for me. I'm going to go bite her. You're like, you haven't seen that. I don't do that. Where does that come from? Well, we know it comes from sinful nature. You don't, how many know you don't train your kids to sin? Anybody here train your kids? Now, this is how you steal. You're like, you don't do that. This is how you hoard your stuff. Like, you don't do that. 
That's sinful nature. That's a heart that doesn't know Jesus. And so anyways, we begin to go through this process of talking about, hey, listen, when you bit, when you hit, when you pushed, did it make things better or worse? Worse. So why did you do it? It just felt good. I'm sure it did. I mean, I've wanted to punch a couple people to myself. And so by nature, our nature is, is that when people hurt us, we, we hurt them back. We see it in our children. And I'd like to say it stops at children's age. But if anybody's been on Facebook, you can watch grown women do it right back to other grown women. They just do it verbally. Oh, I'm going to tell her. All the world's going to know what she just did. Right? We just, it's just a different level now. It's in a different way. We get back in other ways. Maybe you don't punch. Maybe some people do. Maybe you still do punch. I don't know. But we find other ways to hurt the people that have hurt us back. And so God is saying, listen, let me handle this. You've been hurt by somebody? I'll... I'll do the judging. I'll take care of it. At some point, listen, repaying evil doesn't overcome evil. It only continues it. Y'all hear me? Repaying evil doesn't overcome evil. It only continues it. And at some point, you and I have got to become like a frozen song. And anybody in here that's got girls, you've got to let it go. Let it go. I will not continue singing. I'm just letting you know, so don't worry. But I'm telling you, some people are holding on to that cornmeal for way too long. You're holding on to something, and you need to let it go and let God handle it. Your ex-spouse did something to you? Let it go and let God handle him. Let God handle her. Your boss is not treating you like it? Let God handle that. You don't have to defend yourself. God is way better than you are, by the way, at defending things. So we've got to learn to let it go. Let God handle it. Here's number four. Let's wrap it all up. Do good to them like Jesus did to you. I'll even say it like Jesus does to you. He didn't just, he didn't just do it. He continues to do it. We just sang about it. You are good. You are good. We didn't say you're good when I'm good. You're good when I'm good. Like you didn't sing that. Thank God we don't sing that. Right? No, we say, you're good. You're good. Oh, I don't know if that's like, oh, like I need to go eat or oh. But anyways, we sing, you're good. And this says for us to do good. Now look at this verse. It continues. We just read Romans 12, 19. Let's read 20 and 21. Our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry... Notice, not, not like somebody you love, an enemy hungry. What do you do? You go buy that person a lunch. If he's thirsty, what do you do? Yeah. Your gener- now watch this. Your generosity will what? <laughs> Surprise him. Wait, you want to do what? Hey, can I buy you lunch? Say what? You want to, like, you going to spit in the burger? Like, what you going to do? No, man, I just want to bless you. Hey, can I mow your grass? Hey, can I? It says, your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. 
Let me ask you this. Did God change, how did God change you? Did he change you by giving you what you deserve? Did he? Oh, they're not obeying me. Cancer. Oh, he's not doing this. Lost job. He's not. No, he doesn't. God doesn't give us what we deserve. He gave us things that we don't deserve. And this, this verse says, don't let evil get the best of you, but, but get the best of evil by doing good. And let me tell you something. Forgiveness is not just saying, uh, forgiveness is not just something you say. It's also something you do. Y'all with me here? It's not just something that you say. Yeah, I forgive you, but then you, you're mean and you're rude and you listen. Forgiveness is something that we also do. When I say I forgive you, it's not just something that I'm saying. Now I'm going to act in a way towards you that you don't owe me anything anymore. Y'all with me? Okay. And last one. All right. Let's, so that was high school level. <laughs> let's get our PhD here. <clears throat> Cancel their debt like Jesus canceled yours. Cancel their debt like Jesus canceled yours. Colossians 3.13. Make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, remember, underline that. Remember, 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 remember the Lord forgave you. So you must what? Come on, let's read out. So you must. I mean, well, how do we forgive someone who's wronged us so much? How do we forgive someone that seems like what they've done is unforgivable? Well, the truth is the way you do it is you just add up all your sins and you realize how much God's forgiven you. That's how you forgive other people. You realize just how broken and messed up you were and how gracious God was to you. That's how you do it. That's how you forgive people. See, the reason why we have a hard time forgiving people is because what we think we did to God wasn't that big of a deal. We think that our sins aren't as big as other people's sins. But in God's, God's uh, kingdom, sin is sin. There is no like extra grande sin and small sin. Pride is the same as adultery. Gluttony is the same as gossip. Y'all with me here? And so sin is sin, and God has forgiven me of all of my sins, then I can forgive other people of their sins because they're just as bad as I am. And if we forgive, listen to me, if, write this down. If you choose to forgive, it will not change your past. But it will change your future. If you choose to forgive, it will not change your past, but it will forgive. It will change your future. See, when God, when I, when I forgive people, it sets a prisoner free. And guess who that prisoner is? Me. So I'll share just really the condensed version, and then we're going to close the service. Um, to, uh, the spring of 2000, it was my senior year of, of high school. I had two months left to, to graduate. And uh, my mom comes and picks me up at school. I'm a senior. I have my own car. Why is she picking me up? She picks me up. She gets me in the car and she's crying and crying and crying and crying. Mom, what's going on? And she says, your dad's left us. What? Now here's the deal. The backstory is my dad loved Jesus. We went to church every Sunday. On the outside, everything looked great. But what we didn't know is for years, my dad had been living a, a different lifestyle, had 
been having relationships with other women. And it finally came all to a head. And my mom came and told me, hey, this is what's going on. He's left for another woman. And I need you to help me. We need to go get your brothers and sisters. And I need you to help me tell them. Now, I'm the oldest. So we go and we tell my, 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 my mom, I mean, my, my siblings. And, and it, it, if I could show you the condition of my heart in that moment, I love Jesus. I mean, I grew up in an amazing family. I was so blessed as a kid to grow up in a great Christian home. But my heart at that moment hated that man. He had hurt my mom. He had hurt my sister. He had hurt my brother. He had hurt me. And he had just left us. My mom had never had a job in her life. And now here she was. She was going to have to be the provider of our home. I'm about to graduate. I'm thinking, how selfish could you be? For the next year, I never spoke a word to my dad. I didn't want to even see him. I didn't want to hear about him. I, I despised him. And uh, that, that summer, Pastor Jacob, who oversees our church, our Savior's Church, and Bruce Hart and Lafayette, he's close to my, our family. When, and he called my mom and said, tell Josh to come here this summer. Get him down here to Louisiana. So I came down to Louisiana and uh, came for a camp. And then just being here, just felt like, man, God, I, I, I need to be in Louisiana. But my mom was walking through hell right now with my dad. And I said, God, you know what? I need, to, I need to go back to Texas, where we're from, and I need to take care of my mom. And God tells me this. You don't think I can? No. Oh. <laughs> no, God, you got this. I mean, you're good. I mean. And I go back to Texas, and two weeks later, I never told my mom that I wanted to be in Louisiana. My mom comes up to me two weeks later in my room. She says, I was praying, and God told me, you need to move to Louisiana. I'm like, well, that must be the Lord. <laughs> And so I moved here. My mom had to go get a job. She's taking care of my brother, who was a freshman at that time, my sister, who was in seventh grade, and she's taking care of all of them. And, and, um, and I, I hated my dad. And, and like I said, bitterness doesn't just stay where it starts. It grows. And so it began to affect all of my relationships. So Pastor Jacob hooked me up with Pastor Bubba. I started traveling to our Savior's Church in Jennings. And guess what? Me and Pastor Bubba's relationship never could work out. You know why? Because I had a daddy hurt. And so every man in my life, I looked at him like my dad. And so I could never trust a man. I couldn't trust authority. I didn't want to submit to it. I, didn't, I just had this hurt. And over the course of the year, it was just by God's grace that he put me with a man who was an amazing father, as Pastor Bubba is. And Pastor Bubba just began to walk me through, hey, how's your relationship with your dad? Have you talked to your dad? No, I don't care less about my dad. And he began to walk me through, listen, this is not good. You need to work through this. You need to allow God to heal you in this area. So finally, after some time, I, I scrounged up enough courage and I called my dad. He lived in Houston at that time. I said, Dad, I need to meet with you. And so I drove to Houston, sat across from him at a table, and I said, Dad, listen to me. You've hurt, you've hurt our family. I don't know if my relationship with you will ever be the same. It probably will never be. But I need you to hear me say this. I love you. And I forgive you. And he started crying. And he just broke. Because he realized what his sin had done. And I told him, listen, I'm going to get married. And you probably won't be invited to my wedding. And I'm going to have kids. And you probably won't have a relationship with your grandkids. You may, I don't know. I just want you to know I love you and I forgive you. 
I don't trust you, but I do forgive you. And I do want to work through this. And I left that, and I would love to say after that, everything was great. But it wasn't. It took years and years and years and years and years. And here we are 16 years later, and my dad sees my boys maybe twice a year. Maybe. He doesn't stay at my house. If he comes into town, he stays at a hotel, and he knows that. And it's the price that that he is paying for some of the consequences of the things that he's done. But we're getting there. We're getting healthy. My dad loves Jesus now. He's got that restored. He's working things out. And praise God, he's in so much of a better place than ever before. And I love my dad, and I honor him. But it hurt. And I realized that when I was holding on to unforgiveness, I was the prisoner, not him. Y'all with me? And listen, somebody in here has done that to you. It might have been a... uh, a spouse, it might have been a, a parent, it may have been a, a, a family member. How many know sometimes the people that are closest to you, they could do the smallest of things, but that hurts more than some stranger doing something to you. The closer they are in proximity, the more it hurts. And I had to walk through this process of just letting God handle him and praying for him, blessing him, doing good to him. That's been the process. And then ultimately canceling his debt, going, Dad, you don't owe me anymore. You don't owe me. And some of you need to cancel other people's debts. They don't need to owe you anymore. What they did was wrong. What happened to you hurt. It hurt God just as much as it hurt you. Many of you are mad at God. How could God let this happen? It's sin. We get hurt. But God is faithful. He's good. And he works with us and he walks us through this pain so that we can get healing in our own lives. You know the number one thing that credit card companies hate? You know what it is? When you pay off your credit card every month, you know, they despise that, right? You know why? Because you don't get charged interest. Every month you don't pay your credit card off. You get charged interest. And every month that you keep not paying it off, you get not only charged interest, you get charged compounding interest. Did you know that? And credit card companies hate it when you pay it off. They hate it. But I'm going to tell you right now, the enemy hates it when you pay off your forgiveness, when you release that. And God is calling us, just like an American Express, to pay that out. Not every month, not every week, every day. That you would offer forgiveness, clean the slate every day. Because listen to me, where you don't offer forgiveness today, guess what you're going to get tomorrow? Interest. And guess what you're going to get the next day when you don't give it? Compounding interest. And some of you are walking in relationships that is compounding interest of unforgiveness because you haven't given it. Today's a new day, though. We can give it today.